0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. So, guys, I want to preach this morning about being on fire. Being on fire. When Jesus comes back, I only want him to say one thing. You're still on fire. You know, millions and millions of Muslims are turning to Jesus Christ in persecuted countries, and trust me, they are no shy or wimps. They are on fire. Give it up for these guys. Give it up for them. They're losing their lives, they're losing, but they're on fire. And that revival fire is breaking out. At Orlando, there's churches called A Deeper Life. Incredible revival's been running for a year. Major miracles every week. Indonesia, Philippines, many places, revival is breaking out. And the reason I'm preaching this today is because when Alan Kelly prophesied some time ago, the famine is over, I want to add to that and say, revival fire is on its way to the vine church. It's on its way. It's on its way. 50% of you clap because 50% believed that. The other 50% are just thinking about it. That's fine. And here's the thing. The match gets dropped into the petrol can today. And you're going to see the first signs of it in June this year. Hey, anybody else getting excited? And how do I know that it's going to begin in June? Because more than ever, God is speaking to me All of angels and, you know, all kinds of Holy Spirit, supernatural stuff happening. But God's been doing a number on me to recognize him speaking through the most ordinary things. And he reminded me how he spoke through a dead fig tree, through a donkey, through the stars in the sky, through the mud and made man. I walk into church this morning, and Michael's praying about the church, and that's what I want to talk about, but he had something on here, a stag. Guess what I'm going to preach about today? A stag. If you open your consciousness, you will see and hear God speaking all day long. That's why Alma has got that giant stag on the entrance for you. Stop and take a look at it, guys. Guys. Because it's as prophetic as you're ever going to hear. And, and so, how do I know it's going to start in June? Because Jessica, is Jessica here today? The the fisher girl? So, she stood here last night and sang Akadu style, I mean Acapelli style. What, what do you call it? That style. No music. Well, there maybe was music, but I didn't hear it. And she sang a song, My love is like a red, red rose. That new, truly springs in June. People say, I don't go to these things because there's no gospel in these things. That's as close to the gospel I've ever heard in my life in a secular song. And I'll tell you why. People said to me, how could you celebrate Rabbi Burns? He was a bit of a sinner. Hello? Have you met anybody that's no a bit of a sinner? Come on, guys. <laughs> the reality lassie shouts, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. There's more life in that wee lassie than in my churches. Eh? I mean, it's great. I love feedback. And I celebrate, not Robbie Burns, but I celebrate the unique God-given poetic gift that God gave him. Because it's the same unique God-given poetic gift God gave to Solomon. And a lot of people wonder where the, you, you know, if Robbie Burns was alive today, he'd probably get done for plagiarism. Because those words are not original. In the book of Solomon, it says, Songs of Solomon, I am truly his rose. That's you and me. It's not just rose getting flowers today. You're getting flowers today. You're getting fragrance today. You're getting blitz today. There's revival fire. So here, here, here's how Solomon, there is no wisest poet on the planet, puts it. He said, I am truly his rose, The very theme of his song. I'm overshadowed by his love growing in the valley. What is he saying? My love is like a red, red rose. Now imagine if you walked in here today. Quick question, guys. Who can remember the last time you got a love letter? There's a cracker for you. You remember, Rachel? Oh, I didn't think there was such a thing in Dundee's romance. But there you go. You learn something new every day. Top man. Top man. You know, I can't of mind because I just get emails now. But but imagine you walked in the day and somebody met at the door and said, By the way, there's a love letter arrived for you. See this love letter? It's the bomb. This love letter has enough in it that when your loved one dies, when somebody leaves you, somebody betrays you you're still intoxicated, absolutely steamboats with the love that's in this letter. (laughs) We'll get there. Imagine this letter you couldn't fully understand because it was full of all these symbols, deep, deep symbols that was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago that the Hebrews fully understood. They fully understood the symbols like pomegranates and cinnamon. And every single one of these is like a love letter. Every single symbol is like a bomb. It's brilliant. And you began to open the letter and you saw that the two of the most important symbols in that love letter to you was the stag and the gazelle. I forgot what a gazelle was, and I Googled and I just said it's like a baby deer with a nappy on. And it runs very fast. Mostly in South Africa. I don't know about Australia, but I mean. the stag and the gazelle. Anytime you ever see a stag in your life again, take a minute to look at the one out there. The awesome, awesome, awesome power and fire in these two words. When you see a stag or a gazelle here's what it means. You're looking at a symbol of the joys of the love God has for you. That's what they mean. Give it up for the God in that. Awesome. Never look at a stag the same way again. Never look at a deer the same way again. They are the most powerful symbols in this love letter. And they're there to remind you, we get the rainbow and you think well that means love. Check out the stag and the gazelle. Because that's what the poet Solomon wrote in his love letter. Now imagine you were about to take that love letter that's getting handed to you. And if you're a Scotsman especially, within three sentences you're struggling with it. You're struggling with it because I use these words that we don't use too much like darling and I've always struggled with this wee of letter because I've always thought it's a bit poncy maybe and a bit soft and I don't mind a bit of private romance but all that public gushy stuff. And so, guys, I'm going to warn you, some of you are going to be tempted to switch off after the first three verses. Some of you are going to be switched off halfway through because this letter is the bomb. It has become my favorite all-time love song letter in the whole of the Bible. And this letter is a love romance between two people. Very quickly, when you read this love letter and you see the words city, other brides, and Shunammite woman, these three, there's more. When you you see city, Other brides, Shunammite woman, that's referring to you, the church. It's referring to you, the church. And so, I don't want to get too deep, but I'll just touch on this. The Hebrew root of the Shunammite woman comes from the same root, the Hebrew root, as the man Solomon who wrote it. One male gender, one female gender. And what that is a symbol of, is that Jesus and his bride, which is the church, are one. One, one, one. I don't think we're gonna, but it's explosive and it's powerful. But I'm praying like crazy that we leave here today on fire, intoxicated, and so steamboats with the love of God, that we're on fire no matter what happens at any given time. And you can hardly sleep at night because all you can think of is your awareness is growing of how much Jesus loves you. Now, when I read these verses, Keep in mind this, when it talks about the king, he's talking about Jesus. When it talks about the Shunammite, it's like a conversation, this whole book, between these two. Now guys, we, 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 we've had our fair share. Just about all through the Bible, when God refers to his people, he's, he talks about man and mankind. But he flips it in this one book, and he addresses his people like he would address a woman. So, guys, if you're struggling with that, well, have sympathy for the woman that struggled with the other stuff. <laughs> Is that okay so far, guys? We're getting ready to go. The airplane's getting ready to take off. We're going to go somewhere today. And I really, 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 really am um, in faith for the fire of God to set us ablaze. You see, whenever. God shows up with his Holy Spirit in revival is to do two things. Set people's hearts on fire and fix a problem at the same time. So on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were distraught. It was grief. So God came down and set them on fire. But at the same time, he fixed the problem. Of their sadness and their grief. And the Bible says that they were like intoxicated (laughs) with the Holy Spirit. And when revival came to Scotland in the early 1900s, there were serious, serious sin levels all over the place. And the hallmark of that revival was a number of things, but one of them was definitely repentance. And when the Holy Spirit fell in Toronto and went around the world and thousands of churches were planted as a result, the hallmark of that was God was fixing the issue of the Father's love. He, he, so the hallmark of that was the Father's love. I want to prophesy this next move of God will have a brand new hallmark we'll look back in the history. And Michael's already mentioned it, Stagman, he's already mentioned it. It's going to be an explosive love for the bride of Jesus, his church, like we've never seen before. Because we have a problem. We've got millions and millions and millions of Christians who've lost the marbles. Imagine somebody coming to you, mister, and saying, you know what, you're the business, mate. You really are the business. But see your wife, she's minging. I'm thinking, have you read your Bible? You know, one of the first things the devil does when revival breaks out, he burns churches down in Nigeria and in Iraq. He burns churches down because he thinks if he can burn the church, he can stop the church. But everywhere he burns the church, the church grows. The people grow and multiply. But many believers don't get it, and they'll meet in wee groups, and they'll follow all kinds of weird gurus and do all kinds of things. But what if we got a revelation from the Song of Solomon today, a revelation of the Bride of Jesus? When any human being I hear speak against the church, even if they're right, it kills me, because that's my king's bride you're talking about. That's my king's lover you're talking about. That's my king's—the king said he's only returning for one thing, one thing, and we desperately need a fresh revelation of the church as the bride of Jesus Christ, and that will be the hallmark of the next revival. Give it up for Jesus Christ. Come on. (laughs) now I'm going to back up what I just said from scripture see if you have just chosen one passage one passage I've made a commitment this year to listen and to read and feed on this love letter every single day 365 of this year until I'm intoxicated enough with the love Jesus has for you and for me. I want to get intoxicated. When you're intoxicated, you don't care. You're brave. You jump off buildings and everything. What if you could get so intoxicated with a fresh revelation and anointing of how much Jesus is crazy about you? I'm talking crazy. I don't know if women or men struggle most with us. I've no idea, but human beings struggle. They struggle with this one book. It's a letter, it's a book you hardly ever hear preached in your life, hardly ever. It's hardly ever spoke about. And actually, there are seven different ways to present and understand this book. But seven of the early Bible fathers all accept famous ones. I've forgotten all the names. Seven of them. You can Google it yourself. They all accept this one love letter book. The Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon is about King Jesus, incredible love for the church, his bride, you and me, the Shonamite. So, let me just kick off with one little verse. Chapter 2, verse 9. This is describing, this is like The Shunammite woman describing the king, her lover. Let me describe him, talking about King Jesus. He is as graceful as a gazelle and swift as a wild stag. Now he comes closer. I hope this freaks you out. It's freaking me out. Let him come closer to the places where you hide. He gazes into your soul, peering through the portals as he blossoms with my heart. The one I love, the one I love, he calls to me. Do you know why you're here today? You're here today because he called to you. Whether it was 20 years ago or this morning, and he's never stopped calling. And he's never stopped peering through the window. And he's never stopped coming to the places where you and I hide. Because he is intoxicated. And I can't convey this. I don't have the words to get this across. So I pray in the Holy Spirit does a number on us. And flips how we see things. Because when I came last night to the Kelly, as I've been doing for 40-odd years in the Vine Church, coming to different things. It was one of the best nights of my life because I got to see the bride in action, loving the community and letting the community see what the King Jesus looks like, feels like, sounds like. One man from Dow Crossway says, I was here last year, in fact, I would come every year. In fact, I think my whole street, Dow Crossway is coming here now. Give it up for the living God. Come on, we wanna, we wanna, wanna. But this is the hour to get set on fire and prepare for the next visitation of the Holy Spirit. So I wanna read to you, I wanna read to you from chapter eight, verse five in the book of, the love letter of Song of Solomon, Songs of Solomon, or Song of Songs. And I wanna encourage you, in 2020, if you read nothing else, and I read, I've got the Bible on free downloads, and I'm trying to get as much Bible into me as possible, because it's the bread of life. But if you do nothing else, ask the Holy Spirit, to take you to this one love letter. It's become my all-time favorite book in the Bible. And there isn't a day going by and it's not doing me in. So the, the headline in this but this part is called The Bridegroom King. You'll see the fire in here. And this is the Bridegroom King talking about the Shunammite woman you and me. I'll keep saying that so we don't forget. Because I forget. I don't know if anybody else does. But this, please personalize this. Because it's meant to be for you and me. Please personalize it. Drink this in. Let this hit you. Take the walls down. So this is the king. He said, Who is this one? Look at her now. Look at her now. She arises out of her desert, <clears throat> clinging to her beloved. When I awakened you under the apple tree, as you were feasting upon me, I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth, as you longed for more of me." Now it's taken off, it says, fasten me, I think fasten means fasten, fasten me. Upon your heart as a seal of fire. Oh my word! We could just stop there and go home, eh? We could just go stop, go home and pray pray, pray that one sentence for the rest of the year. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire. This living, consuming flame will seal you, I seal you as a prisoner of my love. The worst thing on earth is to be a prisoner, but to be imprisoned by love is the greatest thing. And this is his heart's desire, to be so capture you with his love. My passion, now keep reading this like a love letter to you, is stronger than the chains of death and the grave. It's all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your whole being. How many people know how easy it is to place fear all over your being? Come on, guys. Come on. Disappointment. Despair. Despair. Darkness, depression. How many people know how easy it is? But then another part of this book, it says, don't entertain the little foxies. (laughs) The little foxies are sent to get you to compromise. How do you compromise? By losing sight of the love he has for you and plugging in to the... I can't say crap in here, I know, to the the junk the devil has pumping at you every day in life. Rivers of pain, verse 7, and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns in you. everything will be consumed. This fire will stop at nothing. This is the new um, Passion Translation, by the way, of the Bible, which I'm absolutely loving. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. My word, what would happen if the fire came today? The fire is coming today. But it requires you and I to step into the fire. How do you step into the fire? Through the word of God. And I seriously invite you to open your Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, feed you, and set you on fire. So you finish 2020. Never in a hiding place again. How many can remember the fire of love when you walked down the aisle? How many can remember it never lasted to the end of the honeymoon? Nobody, of course, it never, it was brilliant. But there is no greater power on planet Earth than the power of love. And there's no greater revelation. And this revival will take place when the people of God finally see the fire in his eyes and the fire of love he has for you and the intoxication of his love that intends to engage you. And I promise you, every single time you read this love letter and you personalize it. And you put yourself in the place of the city, the other brides, or the Shunammite woman. Not only will it be 10 times easier to understand and read, but every time God will touch you, he will touch you. Negative stuff, depressive stuff, discouraging stuff will begin to fall off you. Why? Because you're drunk. (laughs) You're intoxicated. With love, the stag and the gazelle. Oh, I love Jesus. I just don't love the church. If you want to hurt a man, just tell him you can't stand his cats. If you really want a hurt a man, tell him you love him, but his wife is minging. That's what I see all over the world and all over Facebook. When I see people neglecting the bride, abandoning his bride, speaking against his bride, taking his bride down. Listen, guys, I've done it as much as anybody else so I'm not looking down on nobody nobody but we really really need to get the truth of the bible deep down inside us and to get everyone there's nine symbols locked in there which are absolutely fantastic guys don't forget the first time you dive in you'll go In fact, some people think that it's a, a sex book, that Solomon is the sex book of the Bible. Well, it's about about this and about that. And I'm not going to say that new saying, which is driving me nuts everywhere, but I hear people saying, it is what it is. You heard anybody say that before? Well, it is what it is. All right, that's a revel that's a blinding revelation, eh? That's what I see. It's like But it's become cool. The reason they think it's too sexy a book, because they're worried about the danger of over spiritualizing. Listen, Jesus is insanely in love with his bride. Be crystal clear. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church, his bride. Can we settle this today, guys? Can we settle this? You know, you can speak against the Rangers fans, Dunferland fans, Celtic fans. Just don't touch the bride of Jesus Christ. And in fact, don't touch anybody else's bride bar your own. If you've got one, And if you've no, you've still got one, because you're the bride and he's the bridegroom. So you're still getting ready for the wedding. Give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Can we have the band up? Can we have the band up, please? Three things. Three things in the next move of God, for you and for me. Number one, the, riot, the revival fire of love the king has for you will set every bone in your body on fire once you see how much he loves you. Second one, you shift from being a follower of Jesus to being an obsessed lover of Jesus. See, people that say, well, I've served on the... I've served sweeping the foyer for three weeks now. I'm having a break for five years. That's duty. That's duty. But see, when it's love, you won't let anybody near your brush because you're doing it for the love of Jesus Christ, who's intoxicated with you. Let's give it up for Jesus on that, guys. Come on. <clears throat> You shift from being a follower to being an obsessed lover, and you shift from attending his church bride. Millions of people attend church, but you make a shift from being an attender to being a radical lover of a church. The devil has tried for 2,000 years to snuff one thing out. Now, let's get this clear, at the cross, he thought he could take Jesus out the game the king and at the cross he got stiffened he lost the fight and he's no stupid there's no point in picking another fight so how does he take Jesus out the game how do you take a man out the game who's bigger than you he take his wife out the game because a man and woman are one like Jesus and his bride are one So when you take one out the game, any one at the game, the man gets hes burst. Any man that loses his wife that he loves is burst. And so the devil is on a mission right now, and this revival is going to blow it out of the water. He's on a mission to take the bride at the game because he can't get the king. You don't believe me, just go and check. check, Two minutes on Facebook or whatever about criticisms of whoever. Slow that. And the devil's behind it. And I don't care if it's three grannies in the islands or Scotland or 25,000 or or maybe the 60,000 that Elma addressed in the stadium in Peru. I don't care if it's mega, mini, whatever it is. If it's three grannies, I love it to bits. If they didn't sing, I love it to bits. If they stand up to read the Bible, I just love it. It's just a bride. And when you keep that focus in front of you, you're not picking and choosing, you're not doing anything, but you're loving the one bride, the Jesus. And what I love about the wee song that Jessica sang was on the very last verse, Rabbi Burns, the very last verse. I don't know if you saw you heard it or not, or you caught it. The very last verse says, and I'm coming back for you. (laughs) You didn't believe me. Read it yourself. I'm coming back for you. When I read the words, I went, you punk, you stole us from King Jesus. You stole us. Because guys, you, whether you're aware or not, you might have been wedded three times, it'll no matter. You're getting ready for a wedding. The wedding of all weddings. The wedding of all weddings. The wedding of Jesus Christ with his bride, the church, when he returns. Don't worry about that wedding that didn't work out and this wedding and that. Don't worry. The wedding of all weddings you're all invited to. You're not getting an invitation card. you already got that at the cross. But we're all getting ready for a wedding. Will you be ready? Because he says he's coming back for a bride that's ready. It's spotless. Spotless bride. Nothing worse than your wedding day having a big bloke. Man or woman. And you try to cover it up, and the more you cover it up, the more you're looking like a fish supper. He's not coming back for a fish supper breed. He's coming back. Seven signs. I'm just rattling one minute flat. Seven signs that you've made the flip from duty and attending church to being a radical lover of Jesus. That you see he's intoxicated with his love for you so Intoxicated, you can't wait to get there. How many people try to rush the romance period to get down the aisle? We did, do we? Ridiculous. When we were in romance, I was in the bath for two hours, making sure there was no spot and smells. About three different kinds of aftershave just to make sure she liked one of them. You're getting ready three years. Been married six months and she's like, you're not coming out of me looking like that. You're minging. How quickly? How quickly? How quickly? This is the romance season, guys. This is where we take our time to get in the bath for three hours and repent, get into the Word of God and get going. Seven things very quickly, fast as I can. Number one sign that you've made the shift to being a a duty Christian to be an insane lover of Jesus and his bride, the church. Number one, you you prioritize the church gathering in your life. Number two, you demonstrate your love for his bride by serving her in some way or another. You give your best and your first resource to her. You be one of the first to arrive and the last to leave. Isn't that what you do? With your bride, Elmer's dad had to kick me out of the house on the night. The only time we talked about this at midnight last night, the only time her father given me a stiffen well, he just gave me a ticking off, was the night before the wedding. He says, "Son, one minute to mine, one minute to midnight, boat, boat, because you did not see a woman on her wedding day until you marry her." I was last to leave. I, didn't want, I want to stay all night if I could. That's what love does. Number five, you let everybody know about him and his love and his bride. Number six, you speak well and boast about her beauty. The beauty of the church. The church has started 70% of the best universities in America. The church, the same church that starts some of the best hospitals around the world, that provides some of the best medical breakthroughs. The beautiful bride that's on the streets, in hubs, and feeding things, doing all kinds of amazing, loving things behind the scenes. Speak well of her at all times, her beauty. Number seven you look for brand new ways to love her, love the church, and you silence every fox that seeks to devour her. In a moment, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and drop the bomb, blow our brains out, and give us a brand new revelation Of how Jesus sees you and Jesus sees his bride Jesus sees his bride Jesus sees his bride Jesus sees his bride can we stand and I want to just prophesy these words over you let's stand together for a moment please give yourself a stretch I just want to prophesy these words over you and ask God to give you a mind blowing revelation of the intoxicated love Jesus has for you. And just make a commitment today. Make a commitment, whether you know them or not, you're not gonna leave twenty twenty sober. You're not gonna leave twenty twenty sober. Next Hogmanay, you're going to be more steamboats than you've ever been in your life, without a drop of whiskey. You're going to be so intoxicated with the Holy Spirit, steamboats with the love Jesus has for you, and every single word in that book is about His love for you. My passion is stronger than the chains of death. The grave all-consuming as very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fear, unrelenting fire, over your whole being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns in you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. If you ever get confused about songs of Solomon again, let me let me shoot it in one sentence. This is the King Jesus doing everything he can to get his fear out of you and his love inside you. I'm gonna pray. Those Muslims go to jail, some of them, for 20 years. 20 years, willingly, because of the fire inside them. Try getting a British Christian just to raise one hand for 60 seconds. Why don't we take a risk and raise both hands? If you're shy, you could put them there. But just do something. Do something. As a prayer. As a prayer. This is your, your body praying now. Just say, and pray these words after me. Pray these words after, over me, over yourself. And pray them every day. And read at, at least chapter 8 every day. It's a simple wee chapter. Until the fire and tossing, until you feel like the most loved human being on the face of the earth. Because that's how Jesus says it. Say these words after me. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns in me. Everything will be consumed, but it will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire. And it won't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender to this furious fire. I desperately want to be on fire for you. Forgive me, Lord, when I've spoken against anything, especially your bride. I confess you love your bride. And we as a nation and a people around the world have hurt your bride and we've hurt you. So in this moment, Lord Jesus, I pray the revival begins in me today. Love keeps no score of wrongs. Come on guys, this is Bible. Love keeps no score of wrongs. So neither do I. I'm cleaning the score sheet today. Because all I want to do is end my days on fire, intoxicated with the love of Jesus. Help me every day to feed on your word. And as I do, speak to me through the uncomfortable romantic verses and give me a blazing revelation. May we be the people that ignites a fire in this nation to readdress the problem and get the people of God to be on fire and madly in love with you and your bride, the church. Let your fire of the Holy Spirit fall on me right now. Follow me right now. Follow me right now, Holy Spirit. Follow me, Holy Spirit. Follow me. That the fire, the fire, the fire. And may you be like the stag and the gazelle. Everywhere you go, you're bouncing. And folk can not just see the joy of God, not just see God's love. But what would happen if they saw two minutes of the joy of the love of Jesus in the people of God? Come on, guys. Come on. Don't be afraid to let your joy out of the house. Your joy out of the cage. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to clap, clap. If you want to stand, stand. But guys... Let's get so intoxicated with the love Jesus has for you. You just can't keep the joy in your trousers any longer. Or your blouses, you're bursting out. Let's give it up, guys, for 60 seconds and applaud the love, the love, the love, the love, the love, the love King Jesus has for you. Come on. Sixty seconds more, 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 more.